Behind the Shades. Hello, Glenn. How are you doing today, my friend? Terrain, I'm doing great. How are you? I am well. I'm al- I always like to say, since you have your saying, I'm alive, young, and physically fit. So I'm hey, feeling man. good today. Amen. Amen to that. So I know today we're going to talk about a topic that is very dear to my heart. And for those of you who weren't privy to the conversation in the green room, we have similar beliefs, but we are still going to challenge each other and hopefully we can help everyone out there find whatever it is that they're looking for. So, Glenn, are you ready? I am ready, my friend. Perfect. Perfect. So why don't we start from the very beginning? Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where my audience can find you. Yes. So Glenn Sanderfer, I currently serve as an executive within the security industry, but I've also written a book, a book around 20 years of experience in the similarities between relationship success or poor relationship outcomes and business. Uh, I am available at themiddlegroundbook.com, our website, and on The Middle Ground Book on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Middle Ground Book on Instagram. Perfect. So take us through the genesis of this. How did you get started discussing relationships and helping others find what it is that they're looking for? By by accident. I was not interested by any means in discussing relationships, writing a book around relationships, providing coaching for it. Uh, But uh, the genesis of it really began around 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I had my first uh, role as a leader within a sales and marketing organization. And in that organization, I found that individuals that had great success professionally were struggling with their relationships. And those that wanted great relationship outcomes did not know how to get them. So I began writing blogs and articles on the early stages of Facebook, early stages. I had a WordPress site. Uh, just to get my ideas and thoughts out there. Fast forward, I went through a really bad, really tough divorce. Um, And from that, I spent two years in counseling. From the two years of that counseling, that's where I determined that the relationship outcome was my fault and I need to do a better job in order to be the best man that I could be for uh, my next and my final spouse. So in those two years, I determined kind of the framework for the middle ground. And I learned that the relationship outcome was completely my fault. It was within my control. And I ignored some things within me and within that other person that led to the poor outcome. So I now state that at the middle ground, anyone is in control and can get the great relationship outcomes that they're seeking. All they have to do is know who they are, know what they want, know who they qualify for, and with whom they qualify for, know what they want from you. I would say that takes courage, Glenn, because I went through a similar, um, I don't want to say revelation, but I did some self-reflection and I began to understand that there are certain areas in my life that I was lacking. And for me to admit to myself that was a very humbling experience because from the outside looking in, a lot of people thought that, Terrain, you're a great catch, you're a nice guy, you're this and you're that. But nice guys have flaws. Mm -hmm. We do. 
Yep. Right. Mexican Latinx have fault, and, and a lot of the flaws come just over time. They're learned behaviors, intentional or unintentional, and it's still your job as a nice guy to be the best version of yourself to get the relationship outcome you want. So when you were going through the therapy and you came to this realization that, hey, a lot of this is on my shoulders. I had to be a better man, but before I become a better man, I had to be a better person. Um, and you identify what went wrong and your contribution mm-hmm. to that. When you're working with people to figure that out for themselves, what are some of the commonalities that are preventing them from having that type of um, self-realization in their journey? Ego and delusion. So I was at the point where ego and delusion would not allow me to accept responsibility for the breakdown in that marriage and thus the breakdown in my dating outcomes. Ego from the standpoint of saying, it can't be me. I am great, I'm a great catch, I have great education, I'm in great shape, I look okay, I think I look all right. Um, And people love being around me. Delusion, saying that I deserve, which is the worst phrase any person can say, this type of outcome from this person, and if only she or he uh, would make these changes, everything would be great. So in my sessions, things that sessions and then the lead up to um, this book, which was a series of interviews that kind of formed uh, this ideology, those were the two things that limited people from acknowledging that they were the problem in their dating outcome. So it was not as simple as, you know what, Glenn, my name is Terrain. Mm -hmm. I am the table, so I have to bring anything to the table. Toxic, baby. Toxic. (laughs) But you hear that quite a bit where it's like, okay, this is what I have. Let me give you, I'll break it down. One thing that I heard from someone. I'm in my 30s. I'm above average in looks. This is what's conveying. And I have this type of job and I drive this kind of a car. And this is my education. But to get someone to understand that saying that, hey, that is not, and that may not be enough for the type of person you're looking for. How do you have that conversation where you're trying to get them to understand, one, what it is that they're looking for, and two, how to attract what they're actually looking for? Well, the first thing that I say is, congratulations, you're an adult. So you have a car, you're paying for it, you pay the insurance, I hope, God, I hope, because you guys can't drive. Um, uh, You have your own place, you have a great job, and you have your education. Man or woman, you are now an official adult. So you are doing doing a great job. You're doing a great job as an adult uh, doing the work that it needs to be considered an adult in life. Um, The second piece is with that, let's move past those things as the table. The table has nothing to do with you. I talk about, I have two books, part one and part two of the middle ground, how to get great dating outcomes in a modern world. In part two, I talk about this terminology. I am the table. As I promoted part one, that is all I heard over 100 podcasts, 100 interviews, I heard I am the table and I am the table for a number of reasons. You are not the table. The relationship is the table. You have to bring something to the relationship of value. And one of the illustrations that I use is Thanksgiving. Everyone here has attended Thanksgiving. I don't think that's toxic or taboo yet, but everyone here has attended, attended a Thanksgiving dinner. Who gets the worst look? The person who comes to Thanksgiving empty-handed. You need to stop and get cups, plates, forks, knives, napkins, 
drinks, soda or pop, depending on where you live, and you got to bring something. If you don't, you're going to hear it from mom and dad, you're going to hear it from grandma and grandpa, auntie and uncle, cousin, sister, brother, and all of their friends. But the reality is everybody else for Thanksgiving contributed to an amazing meal and an amazing memory. And what we have to do is move past the material as the source of creating the table and looking at the relationship as the table. And the relationship takes the understanding that it's not about you and it's going to take sacrifice and investment to get the outcome you want. Sitting in a group of people, you and I, we discussed this earlier where I'm a part of two group chats, one that's mostly male and one that is mostly female. And their complaints about the opposite sex are very similar in nature. And sometimes I look at them and I'm like, you guys are this, you guys are just different sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. It's a very gendered argument. He's not this, he's not that. She mm-hmm. won't do this, she won't mm-hmm. do that. And it brought me to a conversation that I once had with someone who was looking to find love and, and she was finding it in all the wrong places. And I simply went to her, I was like, what is it that you want? And what is it that you bring to the relationship that you would have? And she turned to me and she said, Terrain, no one has ever asked me that question. I was like, okay, let's reverse it. When you go for a job and you're looking for a job, you research the job, right? You look at, okay, this is the salary. This is the benefit. This is how I could fit in because this is what I can bring to the job. And this is what the job is going to bring to me as compensation or as a reward. And she was able to tune into that analogy. And I think many of us seem to forget, as you mentioned, the Thanksgiving comparison, if you show up with your hand empty, people are going to look at you kind of funny because you're supposed to bring something. Now, if you're going to show up to Thanksgiving dinner and say, you know what, baby, I am the table. I'm going to eat before everyone else. Mm. I'm going to kick my feet up and you're going to serve me you got to be on your backside out that front door because no one's going to tolerate that. And I think sometimes we are starting to not love each other in the way that we want to love each other. We're starting to tolerate each other. And worse, we're not even having these types of conversations. So what would you want to see change maybe in the relationships going forward between um, two people who want to get into that type of situation? I would say the number one thing that people need to understand is that the relationship is not about just serving you. It's about coming to serve. If you look at the relationship, ladies, he needs to be six foot, make six figures, have a six pack, have six times two and lean. If he needs to do all of that just to qualify, the question that you need to ask yourself is who am I and what do I bring to him? because you named everything physical and provision, what are you bringing to the table that matches physical and provision? Um, So I say, come to it saying, hey, I met this great guy. He does all this, like you talked about a job. He has a great career. He's working really well. He's in the community. He's known. He has a little bit of stature. And I would really like to get to know him. If I were to get to know him, what would he want from me? That is a totally different shift than saying, I am all these things and he needs to want me. Men, if you are out here and you meet a woman and a woman is, what's the, the median height? Five, five, six, 138, uh, great. She's got body goals. She's a girl boss, baddie or a diva. Pick your, pick your favorite uh, term. And 
she has a lot going on for her and she has great relationships with the people around her, what is she looking for? And if you're able to articulate what she's looking for, then you can start to go into that relationship dynamic with that service, that servant mindset in, in mind. But right now, the number one thing we need to do is we got to stop going into relationships seeing what is what's in it for me. We have to be able to say, what can I give? Because the reality is most people are not emotionally stable enough, financially stable enough, spiritually stable enough to be successful in a relationship. So you have to be willing to acknowledge that so you can get, get the help, work on it, and then get back into the relationship pool uh, so you can uh, get the outcome you deserve. And I would add to that, I think that men and women um, who are separating themselves more and more each day, they need to be less tribal. You need to speak to the other group of people. So for the men out there, what Gunn is saying, I 100% agree. But on top of that, you need to understand the women. And for the women out there, you need to understand the men. One of the worst things, and I will say this until I pass away, Glenn, <laughs> is that men, stop surrounding yourself with people that's going to tell you exactly what you want to hear who are complaining about women the same way, who maybe are stuck in the situation similar to you, who are not showing any growth because you want to be inspired by the men to be better, perform better, and then obtain what it is that you want because what you want comes with a cost. You have to pay a cost. It's like any investment. You have RSBs, you have your 401k, you put money in there that you've earned invest in yourself to get the woman that you want to for the women out there same thing invest in yourself to get what you want if you're not where you are where you want to be in life that's perfectly fine i'm not there and from what gun saying there's a point in his life that he wasn't there he did the work i did the work we all need to do the work so one thing i want to touch on glenn is about your books the when you mentioned the middle ground describe to us what that actually means and how that is applicable to each and every one of us. Yeah, the middle ground basically means that getting the relationship outcome means that you are going to have to step out of yourself and in order to see the other side's point of view. The middle ground basically means exactly what it is. It's not my way. It's not your way. It's one way and the truth's way. What is the best way for us to get what we're both looking for, which is a phenomenal relationship outcome? What I talked about in part one was how we got here. There was a change societal for those of us in North America that led to what we call the breakdown of the family. When the breakdown of the family occurred, the relationship dynamic for the next generation suffered. And each generation afterwards had, uh, has its own version of that suffering off of trained or communicated traumas, not necessarily their own trauma. So that's chapter one. Chapter two and three, we talk about the six type of men and the six type of women. So at the middle ground, we believe the main reason you're not getting the relationship outcome you want, trigger warning, trigger warning, is because you are aligned with the wrong man or the wrong woman. Who are the six type of men? Ladies, you already know them. Let's say them all together. Boys, 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 F boys, city boys, y'all favorite. Guys are dudes males, men, either traditional or modern, and high-value men. For women, we have parallels. We have girls, we have city girls, or, you know, for the streets, 
or the thotties, whatever you want to call them. Gals or chicks, females, women, modern or traditional, and then high value women. We find that in most instances within this space and the two groups you're a part of, you have a lot of females, a lot of modern women, and a lot of city girls who are all dating the same type of guy. They're dating the city boy, they're dating the male, and they're upset with their relationship outcomes. So Glenn, let's expand on that a little bit because that is something that I would love to dig deep a little bit further. So when you break down the groups of men and women, you mentioned high value male, and I think everyone knows what that is. It's a very small percentage of the men overall. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of status. And in a lot of cases, they're famous, but they're beneficial to everyone around them. They can make things happen. But then there's a large group of men um, that myself would fall into that we're not necessarily high value, but maybe we're a step above those who are at the poverty line. And we're the ones traditionally who would get married the most, right? It was like, let's say middle-class, upper-middle-class men, because we would find find middle-class and upper-middle-class women. So you made an interesting point, and a point that I always like to explore is that there's a large group of women who are either dating the same type of men, or in some cases, actually dating the same men. Let's not sugarcoat it. They're dating the same guy. They're dating the the same same guy. Absolutely. And then in a lot of cases, they're getting impregnated, having children with that mm-hmm. same guy. Mm-hmm. How do we coach towards that group of women who are saying that I'm trying to figure it out, but that's all that's out there. That's all that's out there. Okay. Then I would say that you need to stop. So let's, let's go back to one thing that you said, and I'll answer the question. You said for the high value man, everyone knows what that is. I will say most people do not. Because at the middle ground, we don't believe that the high value man has a fame component. We take out athletes, entertainers, we take out politicians and preachers. The reason is their relationship outcome comes differently because they are famous. So everything that they get has to do with the fame and what you said, the value that they can attract from the market at a much higher rate. And most of the time, for the first two athletes and entertainers, they're younger. And then for preachers and politicians, they're older. So that's why in that group, we take them out of high value. We add a couple of things to the high value definition. The first is character. So at the middle ground, we do not believe, and I have not never interviewed a high value man who has called himself high value or who does not have a high character regard for self and regard for his family and his community. So character is very high, high impact on the community. So they're out visible or they're in the background making things happen for the greater good of everyone around them. They have legacy in mind. They are 100% focused on their passion and on their programming and on their purpose. So as they look for relationships, they can only be with the high value woman because the high value woman it has nothing to do with earnings. She is tied to the purpose. And everything that she does for him and for her family is to help drive the purpose. And if the purpose is not being driven, she is the first one to provide correction. That's why high value women are even more rare than high value men because 
they have to have that level of investment and that level of uh, intellect and emotional intelligence to know when to push, when to pull. This is where we heard from the old school where the man is the head and the woman was the neck. These were the women who were moving the heads of households and the heads of communities. So I always like to say, when I hear in the space, oh, he's a high value man, he's a high value man. I'm like, oh, okay. And then the third thing is from an earning standpoint, have you been earning uh, what we would say for as of this recording, 12,500 over a five to 10 year period per month? Because that means you know how to go to the market. You know how to build value, extract value back in the form of profit. And people believe that that is a favorable deal for them. Not multi-level marketing, not shading, not scamming, not skimming off the top or skimming off the sides, literally going to the market and entering into business partnerships and relationships. So let's talk about the women. So there's a much larger pool, like you talked about, of men, versions of men. I like to say for the men, what we see are three types. The first is the city boy. The city boy is the one who's charismatic, who has great conversation, who gives off great chemistry with every woman that he meets. He has swag, he has style, he's used to physically fit. If a woman is into beard, he's beard game. If he's got long dreads, he's dread game. Whatever it is, he knows he can move through the world off of those three seeds. He never has the intention of having a long-term committed relationship because conquest sexually and with a number of women is his end goal. That is his Marvel's end game. So women who connect with him, he gives the best sex, best time, he's fun, he's really exciting. But when she looks for him to become a modern man or wants him to aspire to high value, he's not interested. And he's lived his life from his 20s all the way to his 40s that way. So why would he change today? They'll, in his mind, and this is where you see in the space, Face, ladies, the guy, he's like, oh, there's another H. You can't help yourself because of the three seats. So that's the first man that they love. The second is going to be the male. Males look like men, sound like men, talk like men, walk like men, appear to be men, but they could not go in the market and assert themselves positively without overaggression and build something. So the males are the ones, ladies, who live on your couch who you have a baby with, who doesn't want to see his baby, who can't take care of his baby and can't take care of you. He drives your car. He doesn't put gas in your car. He changed the brakes on your car, baby boy reference. And he said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going, I, I have a meeting across town, so I need your keys. He's always, he's overly emotional and cannot control his emotions. And he's very deferential to women, which is not a characteristic of men. Men understand, respect, and appreciate the women in their lives and the women that are under covering protection. He's deferential. He's looking for his woman to make the decision so he can absolve himself of responsibility. So with the, with the city boy, F boy, and the male, the women you talked about, that's who you guys are having babies with on plan. And when you're getting the relationship outcome, the lack of co-parenting, a lack of understanding, a lack of support, commitment, and the lack of financial consistency, you have to ask yourself, did I make a human being with a person who wasn't qualified to be that? And I say at the middle ground, and we believe at the middle ground, that men, traditional, modern, and high value, are the men that women need to be looking at to marry, have children with, and build long-term legacy. Then the final group, 
that women are meeting are modern men. So modern men, a lot of people have a different definition. We're very clear here at the middle ground. Modern men are okay with the modern woman's request for 50-50 partnership. She works. You said it earlier. She has her car. She has her place. She has her own going on. She got her education. She's working on her degree. She doesn't have time to be the traditional woman. She's not interested in the traditional woman. She has not trained to be a traditional woman. So expecting her to be a traditional woman is unfair for her, and it's going to be unfair for any man expecting that. And only traditional men get traditional women. Sorry, guys. So as a modern man, you're okay with the 50-50. She makes 78, he, I make 89. But in most cases, specifically in certain communities, she makes 89, he makes 78. So they have to put that together, make it work on a plan. So this is where you hear, and what I agree with in the space, get together with a modern man or a modern woman, make a deal and start moving towards the long-term goal. Because if you put 78, and you put 89 together, that is still more than your 78 or your 89. You guys can manage and can, you guys can have a similar lifestyle. And then you guys can begin to do what the terms that we hear that the ladies listening right now want. He's a partner. He's a good friend. He's a good companion. He's a good listener. I lead. He leads. Da, 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 da. And then that's what you get with a modern relationship. I believe we see what you talked about in the space where there are a lot of marriages, you see a lot of modern relationships just because of the financial implications of having a single uh, earner, single earner versus a dual income household. It just doesn't require it. So you have to do the work with it. Here's the other caveat. And this isn't a trigger warning. This is a free freebie. And ladies, this is a spoiler. If you get the reality stone and level up. Modern women are the ones who make the transition to high value. So if you're a modern woman and you're 50, 50 and you're, you're tired and you're ready to be in your soft girl era, you need to level up and you need to get into, get into a relationship with a man who is on his purpose and on his passion, support it and do everything you can to make sure he stays on task. I will agree with that. And I would also say that and I will bounce this back to you. There's some men out there who know your definitions, respect your definitions, because I think for the most part, people have an idea. They may not attribute everything to each specific um, title, but they have an idea of what they are. And here's a struggle that um, some men go through. They want to be the male, have as many women as possible. They want to put on a front that they're traditional, saying that I want my woman to stay in the house and make sure she doesn't have Instagram or social media and no hot girl summer, as well as I'm still considering myself a, hot, a high value male, even though I'm making, well, at least in Canada here, the average income for a black man is just under 50,000, but I'm still high value because I'm basing my high value off of potential and not mm -hmm. actually reality. Do you experience those type of men who try to combine everything into one and say, hey, I still want or I deserve mm. a, tra a traditional you woman? You don't deserve. You don't get what you get, what you negotiate, not what you deserve out of life. So if you tell me I deserve X, Y and Z, I deserve a high value woman who's going to support me in my passion and purpose. I make $50,000 a year. But in the next 10 years, I'm going to be making 250. Great. That attitude and that mindset, this is where we talk about 
the time blocking. And time blocking is a term we use in sales. So we tell our salespeople, you need to know what every minute of every day is going to do for you in order to generate the revenue and the quota that you have to hit. So you block out time, parts of time for administrative, parts of time for uh, prospecting, parts of time for contracts, parts of time for meetings, parts of time for lunch, parts of everything. I tell those men, and, and let's pretend I had the privilege of getting them at 18. And I've, had, I've done this in my life over the last 15 years through a number of different organizations. 18 year old man, I have some bad news for you. 18 to 28 is going to be hard. It's going to suck. Let me tell you why. It's designed to build character, grit, and a high value skill. So 18 to 22, you are working, first responder, military, education. Those are the four things that you're going to do. So 18 to 22, you're working on just developing. You're no longer in your parents' house or big mama's house. You are out at school. You're on the base. You're working with an apartment or you're working and you're in a police force. You have to submit yourself to something. And that's important later. So 18 to 22, put your head down. Just go ahead and, and see it through. 23 to 28 is when you should now begin to build the high value skill. If you were not in education, you're one of the other three, you should start getting your first promotion. So your first promotion typically goes to program management. And this is why business administration is still important in my view. You're going to get a program or a project that you're going to be responsible for. You're going to get, uh, if you're a first responder, you're going to get a higher traffic or a higher risk uh, territory. If you're in the military, you're going to get your first, second, or third uh, rank promotion. And then if you're on a job and you move from a lot, even if you're a line worker, because they're paying $30 an hour to work lines and factories here, you're going to move to team lead shift supervisor. There's where you're going to cut your teeth. You're going to cut your teeth on the programs. You're going to cut your, your teeth on the people and then building a knowledge around an area. This is why you don't want to move jobs five times between the ages of 18 to 28, because you have to build credibility. Then from 29 to 33, second promotion, second big job. Let's say you went to school. You are and you were went to an account executive program. You've been three years of quota carrying. You got your first promotion, got your second promotion as a team. And then on your third promotion, you have a bigger team plus a program. You run that all the way through 33. You're in the military. You have your first, second, third, fourth, and fifth uh, rank promotion. And if you're in, if you're a first responder, if you're a police officer, you've gone through the same track. And then if you're working with someone who is a trade, which is what we direly need and which is what I've told men, maybe you don't need to go to college. Maybe I need you to be a, an electrician because my electrician makes more when he comes to my house and the house next door than I make in a day. Then you start to know you've worked on every system. You've worked on every line. You've worked on every process. At 33, if you pick your head up and look at the market, you have invested a decade and a half in yourself and in your skill. That man is more valuable. If you spend 18 to 33, 35, chasing girls, wanting the hot girls, wanting the hot girls on Instagram, you have wasted time. And if you try to avoid the hard steps and the multi-steps that I just talked about, you're going to have to do them in your 30s later. So we say, once you lift your head and you see at 33 to 35, the market, you can then go back to homecoming, 
go back to your hometown, go back to your high school reunion, and you can see what the market is of available women who are dating. Now, ladies, with what I just said, do you think that is a better pool of men to pick from than what you have been picking from? Men who live with their mama or their grandmama, men who are in the basement, men who are addicted to 2K and Madden, men who are out working out every week and doing CrossFit, men in their 30s and 40s who are still playing basketball twice a weekend, uh, men who are standing in line for shoes and for the phone releases, or would you want that man? Because that man at 33, his time is valuable because he spent 10 to 15 years building himself up. So he doesn't have time to waste. So when he comes to you, ladies, and he sits across the table, he's not going to say anything stupid like, you know, what you bring to the table. He's not going to say that because he spent time with people. He spent time managing. He spent time devoting himself. He's going to say something simple. Tell me about yourself. And if you go in talking about hot girl summer trips, being flewed out, going to another concert with another pop diva, um, talking about you going to lose weight this summer talking about I have a record coming out, talking about my hair, my eyelash company. He's not even going to be rude. He's going to be like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to go ahead and pay for the check. And he's going to walk out and he's going to do what you guys feel he did, ghost you. He ain't got time to waste. But when he asks you about yourself and you come in and be like, oh, I'm this, I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm, uh, you know, I'm a Muslim or, you know, I'm an atheist and I believe in this and I believe in, uh, you know, I want a relationship and I want a marriage and I want 2.5 kids and I really have worked really hard, but I'm really wanting to start winding down. He's going to be like, he's going to lean in. Okay. So you said you want 2.5 kids. When would you like to have those, that first kid? Oh, you know, I'm 28. So I'd like to have the first one before, you know, 31. Okay. He's doing math in his head because he's not wasted his last 10, 15 years, ladies. So now he's looking. He's like, okay, so I see that you're in great shape. I really appreciate that about uh, women in general, but you specifically, you look great. How many times a week you work out? Oh, you know, I work out three times a week. I do, I do uh, F45 or I do CrossFit or I run and I did, I just finished my, my third marathon. Okay, so that's really interesting. What motivated you to do that? Well, because, you know, I had heart disease in my family and I wanted to get here and I wanted to be available to my children. Okay, so how, so fitness is important to you. Okay, all right, so tell me about your, your schooling. Oh, well, you know, I studied at this institution. I was there for five years, you know, because I stayed in an extra year and I got my master's and then I've been doing public policy. I really want to change the world with this, this, and this, but, you know, it's really hard to do that. And I really am getting older and I want to settle down. Okay, this was fun. Let's do this again. Now, ladies, would you rather sit across that man from that man or what you've been sitting across with the F boy? Who got the muscles, who got the look, who got the swag, who you like, I might as well, girl, I might as well get this meal and I might as well go out with him with no direction or plan. Again, at the middle ground, we tell men specifically and ladies, we speak to men first. What do you want your life to be at 65? If you say what I want my life to be at 65 is I don't know. You need to spend six months detached from everything. Social media, dating apps, video games, um, Broadway, uh, what Collins Ave in Miami, uh, you know, anywhere and focusing on being able to answer that question. Because if you say at 65, I want to be a grandfather, I want to have at least um, three kids, and then I'd like to have six to 10 grandkids. I want to live in, you know, I'm from Illinois. I want to live in the state of Illinois. I want to be able to have a place 
you know, farmland where I can kind of work it as I need, uh, you know, it doesn't have to really make money. I would have wanted to have a, you know, 40 year career in insurance or in law or in medicine. Da, 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 da. And then what you say at 65 and I look at where you are at 25 or 35 and it doesn't add up. It doesn't give me the trajectory that you say you want. We know that where we need to work because no woman who is listening to this or will listen to this is going to sign up for I don't know. And if she does sign up for I don't know or has signed up for I don't know, the only coaching I can do around that is get crystal clear on who you are and what you want and then start making decisions that lead into that space and you will begin to attract that what you want. I love how you put it back onto the men to come up with a plan to understand where they want to be because I find that is something that is very difficult just for the average person. Like when you go to someone and say, where do you want to be at 65? And they give you their idea. Then you say, okay, you're 35 now. So you have 30 years. So what are your goals for 35 to 40, 45 to 40 to 45, so on and so forth. You're making it real. I had someone, they said that they want to be married with children. This person two friends. They're both two people. They're both in 40 now. And I asked them, okay, are you seriously dating anyone? They said, no. Are you still going to the clubs? They say, yes. Are you in a position financially to take care of children? They said, no. Do they have a job that they feel that they can retire in? They say, no. So my question to that, to that person, both of them was, then you are nowhere close to starting a family because when you don't have the resources, two, you don't have the time, three, you don't even have the person, which is the first step or one of the early steps. And four, you have no idea the time, the time, dedication, and effort that's going to take to raise a family because you still have to get that woman and you still have to get that wife and you still have to be the provider and you have to still be the man that mm -hmm. you want to be. And I pointed to both of them and I said, look at your parents, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. Different time. Yes. But they started earlier on in life, probably in their 20s when they got children, married and so on. They knew exactly what it is. They didn't have time to run around and do this, all this stuff. The ones that they the ones that did do that, they don't have a family. They may have children somewhere, but they don't have the actual mm -hmm. family. And I think. One of the things that happens, and this is especially in the Black community, and I told a lot of my Black male friends this, is that I feel that Black men take longer than any other group of people to grow up. Mm. We still wear the sneakers. We still don't own a pair of clothing that we would use to go to the job interviews. I had a friend asked him, when you go for your job interviews, do you have like dress pants, dress shoes? He's like, I don't own any of those. I was like, okay, so when you go out, what do you do? Are you in Tim's and a fitted? <laughs> because <laughs> that's the expectation, right? That's nothing wrong with that. I have Tim's too, but I wouldn't wear that on a date, for example, or if I'm going to a business meeting, I can't wear a hat, mm -hmm. right? I tie my hair back. I have a nice collared shirt and I have dress pants and dress shoes. And I guess my question to you is that, do you find that there is a difference between groups of men that you assist, or is it similar across the board when you're having these conversations based on their upbringing, maybe, or even their culture? Um, I'll 
I'll eliminate culture because culture was actually where I started. I, I, I believed from a hypothesis standpoint, I was like, this is a cultural issue. It Culture plays a big part into it, but it is now just generational because it has now superseded and gone across cultures. So women will know this because if you have an audience that's just more than one, one race of women, they are all seeing it in their dating outcome. So it doesn't matter if they were Black, Hispanic, Caucasian, um, if they were Asian, if they were biracial, they're still all seeing sort of the same relationship outcome. I even thought it was age. So I thought there was a difference between the boomer, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z. They're all seeing it because now I've had the privilege to be on shows that cater to that group of women. And they're all saying the same thing with you just brought up a good point. They say they're going on dates with men that don't own a dress shirt or dress pants. And I'm like, at 60? Yeah. That one date guy, he came in shorts and uh, flip-flops. And I was like, I was like, how did that make you feel? Like I wasn't special. So I think it is just in general, we've seen this pressing down across the culture to where dating has dating and relationship in general with the outcome of marriage, children, and legacy has been pushed to the back burner because one, we have men who are in prolonged adolescence. And what does that mean? I said the things that men need to put down. So men are in athletics, obsessed with sports. They are obsessed with video games, obsessed with clothes, obsessed with shoes, obsessed with experiences. So their life is about those things. So when your life is about those things, you cannot switch and come over here and start talking about a woman multiple children and long-term generational wealth and planning. They say it all on social media. They say it on all the channels, but the reality is they have not truly pivoted to deserve that or earn that. And they are not qualified for it because they have spent the last 10 years, what I say, playing. And then if they do get it and they're 30, they end up divorced at 40. And then they go back to playing from 40 to 50 and then that's what the women are seeing out in the marketplace who are going through their first or, or divorce. They're like, my kids are grown now. I'd like to have a person to travel with. In most of the instances, what we've seen, ladies, you can back me up on this. Those women 50 and older are making great money. They, their boss is afraid of them. So they keep them on and they're very productive. And they just want to travel four times a year with someone, have a nice date. They want to be left alone. When they have to spend time with their kids or grandkids, they don't want to be bothered with you but the men that they're seeing are back into adolescence. So I challenge at the middle ground first, men to move out of adolescence, move into adulthood, and adulthood looks like the things what we spoke about. And then I tell the women, stop playing with boys. You are out here looking bad and looking stupid with men who you wouldn't want your best friend or sister dating. But it's because, and what I say, which is also cross-cultural and cross-generational, there's this fear and this uncertainty about dying alone. So at least I got to have somebody. And I will say that you don't have to settle with just having somebody. You can have Aaliyah, that somebody, and you can have the relationship outcome you want. You just got to get crystal clear on who you are, what you want, what you qualify for, 
and know what who you qualify for wants from you. Too many people fear a cold bed. Warm it up. That's all that it takes. But do it with the right person. Mm-hmm. Right? We all, men and women, let me actually, let me be 100% transparent and real right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows somebody that you can call on the phone and they'll be over like that. Everyone knows someone that like that. that, what, does that is co- not, what does that cost you? I was just about to say that. What does that cost you? And you really, really don't want that. Believe me. <laughs> I know it's a slow Thursday and you're thinking you don't. You don't want that energy around you because it's taking you away from what is most important. And most important is like what Glenn said. You need to find someone that you can build a future with. Either it's legacy through your children, legacy through your marriage, legacy through the experience and memories, which is very, very important. As I got older, I began to realize the importance of building memories and relationships with people. We are built for that. One of the Anytime we have criminals, what's one of the worst punishment besides death that you can give a criminal? Solitary confinement. Many of us are intentionally locking ourselves away for fear of rejection, fear of hurt, fear of, well, what if he treats me like my ex-husband or what if she treats me like my ex-wife? There's always risk in everything, but the reward is so much better than that. Imagine a world where you wake up and everything around you just makes sense. You're filled with love. You're filled with peace. You're filled with happiness. That is what life is when you find the right person. And I'm sure, Glenn, you will agree or you have something to say as well. No, I will say that, you know, coming out of, you know, the tie bow in the beginning, coming out of the divorce and coming out of therapy, I told myself, I'm going to get to 40. I'm going to go ahead and get me a young girl, just give me some kids out of her, and then I'm a co-parent. I was going to take less than what I had expressed that I wanted. And once I got into dating, I found that it was lonely. I had someone, one or two people that I could call on a lonely Thursday, and it cost me peace for the next two weeks because it was, what are we? What are we doing? Why can't we be together? You, it's I, The best ladies, you know this. I think it's funny how you can call me on a Thursday or a Friday and then not want to make plans with me on Saturday or Sunday when I have plans. And it costs peace. And so once I got serious about the work that I needed to do, I was able to identify specifically where I wanted to be at 65. And it took steps in order to start making that life for myself. And then saying, who is the person, the woman that I would want to be in that life with me? And I've been blessed enough to have that with my wife. We have two beautiful children. Uh, we're uh, in a great city and we both have great careers and great uh, trajectories going on. And if I had not made that decision to get back in there and get into, you know, as a Christian, what God has for me is for me. I would have never be in this place and be in this position right now. And I've never believed that the middle ground would have been out here to help kind of expose or, uh, you know, further educate about what's going on in the dating market. So as we close, Glenn, what's something that you'd want to share with the next generation of men who are trying to figure this out, but they need a little bit of guidance. It's really simple. 
for me. It's like, listen to the stories of the men who have come before you, who are emulating the life that you say that you want. They, we have the experiences, we have the failures, we have the successes, and you can cut your learning curve in half if you're willing to do the work. I would say men, stop chasing every woman that you see, stop making relationship uh, fantasies off of social media and off of TV and movies, and start doing the work to make yourself the best version of yourself. And then the relationship outcome, as I expressed earlier in the interview, interview will come over time.